Good day, my friends and fellow travelers, heeding the upward call in Christ. Today is November 1st, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am joyfully energized to serve as your reading companion and tour guide as we continue to navigate through the 66 books of the Bible. Today is the first day of a new month, and it is the first day in a new book in the Old Testament, the book of Ezekiel. This is the 26th book that we will have read in the Old Testament, and we are now on the 19th book in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. We have seen how our readings of the books of the Bible dovetail into one unified revelation of God's glory, particularly in the redemptive accomplishment of His Son. The first word in the book of Hebrews was God, and then the author expounded how the Son of God was the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of His nature. The book of Ezekiel starts with his vision of the glory of God and it sets him on a mission to communicate God's glory as it is revealed to him to those who are in their captivity to foreign power in Babylon, and promising that there is a future hope for a believing remnant. Let's get started as Ezekiel is prepared for his prophetic mission by receiving visions of the glory of God. As we read, may we be mindful of how the glory of God has been made known to us in Christ, and His light has radiated in our hearts, the certain promise of our deliverance and adoption into his forever family. So let's begin. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Ezekiel in Babylon. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. In the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Jebar Canal, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the Chebar Canal, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud, with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually, and in the midst of the fire as it were gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot, and they sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched the wing of another, while two covered their bodies, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went, without turning as they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches, 
moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning. And the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. Now as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside the living creatures, one for each of the four of them. As for the appearance of the wheels and their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of beryl, and the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as it were a wheel within a wheel. When they went, they went in any of their four directions without turning as they went and their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them, and when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. Wherever the Spirit wanted to go, they went, and the wheels rose along with them, for the Spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When those went, these went, and when those stood, these stood. And when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose along with them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Over the heads of the living creatures there was the likeness of an expanse, shining like awe-inspiring crystal, spread out above their heads. And under the expanse their wings were stretched out straight, one toward another, and each creature had two wings covering his body. And when they went, I heard the sound of their wings like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, a sound of tumult like the sound of an army. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And there came a voice from above the expanse over their heads. When they stood still, they let down their wings. And above the expanse over their heads there was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was a likeness with a human appearance. And upward from what had the appearance of his waist I saw, as it were, gleaming metal, like the appearance of fire enclosed all around. And downward from what had the appearance of his waist I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire, and there was brightness around him like the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud on the day of rain, so was the appearance of the brightness all around. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. Chapter 2 Ezekiel's Call And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet, and I will speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me, and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I send you to the people of Israel, to nations of rebels, who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants also are impudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions. 
Be not afraid of their words, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And when I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me. And it had writing on the front and on the back, and there were written words on it of lamentation and mourning and woe. Chapter 3 And he said to me, Son of man, eat whatever you find here, eat this scroll, and go, speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, Son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you, and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate it, and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. And he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel, and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely, if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you receive in your heart, and hear with your ears. And go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me the voice of a great earthquake. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures as they touched one another, and the sound of the wheels beside them, and the sound of a great earthquake. The Spirit lifted me up, and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, the hand of the Lord being strong upon me. And I came to the exiles at Tel Abib, who were dwelling by the Chibar Canal. And I sat where they were dwelling, and I sat there overwhelmed among them seven days. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament passage from the book of Ezekiel. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet, because he prophesied and lived to see the destruction of Jerusalem and the exile into Babylon, which marked the beginning of the times of Gentile domination. Ezekiel was a contemporary of Jeremiah, but much younger. It is likely that Jeremiah had already begun prophesying when Ezekiel was born. Ezekiel would be primarily a prophet of hope, but Ezekiel also saw that there was light at the end of the dark tunnel. He recognized that the righteousness of God had brought judgment upon Israel and Judah. His ministry would be to those who were exiled in Babylon. They were paying the price for their idolatry and rejection of Yahweh. However, 
he saw clearly that the original purpose of God for his people would one day be restored. Few believed his words until they heard that Jeremiah's predictions about the destruction of the temple in 587 B.C. had come true. Ezekiel was either preparing to serve or already serving as a priest in Jerusalem when he was taken into captivity in 597 B.C., according to 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 10-14. through 14. Daniel had already been in Babylon for eight or nine years, in 605 B.C. While serving in the temple, Ezekiel managed to separate himself from the religious evil and idolatry that was being practiced. The first three verses of the book, Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, can be regarded as the title page. We are given the details concerning the book's author, Ezekiel, and the time and place when he received the word of the Lord. Now it came about in the thirtieth year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Chebar among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1. Some believe that the thirtieth year refers to Ezekiel's age. However, writers did not usually date material by their own date of birth, but rather linked their writings to pivotal historical events. Some scholars believe that the most likely significant date would be the date of the discovery of the law in the temple under the reign of Josiah, 622 B.C. to 621 B.C. Ezekiel was called to the prophetic ministry in the fifth year of exile, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 2, which would have been 593 or 592 B.C., 30 years after the discovery of the law and Josiah's reforms. Isaiah was prepared for prophetic ministry by seeing the glory of the Lord on the throne and his train filling the temple in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 10 and John's gospel chapter 12 verse 41. Jeremiah was prepared for ministry by the word of the Lord coming to him and touching his mouth in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 9. Daniel was prepared as God gave him knowledge, intelligence, and understanding of visions and dreams by means of the Spirit in Daniel chapter 1 verse 17. Ezekiel is prepared for his prophetic ministry by receiving visions of the glory of God. The Lord contrasts the false prophets who prophesy out of their imagination with his true prophets who stood in his counsel to both see and hear his word. Jeremiah chapter 23 verse 18. Ezekiel as a prophet would have visions of God. In Ezekiel 1 verse 1. God granted Ezekiel the ability to perceive truths about divine operations through marvelous imagery. The visions of God were followed by the voice of God. The phrase, The word of the Lord came unto me, in Ezekiel 24, verse 15, occurs 49 times in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was called to both see and hear the word of God. The visions of the glory of God will take place in different locations throughout the book. This in itself has some prophetic significance. First, the glory of God appears at the place of Ezekiel's commission by the river Chebar in Babylon, in Ezekiel chapters 1 through 7. Ezekiel might have been asking, God, where are you? The Lord was saying, I am here. The next vision of the glory of God is when Ezekiel sees the Shekinah glory of the Lord slowly and reluctantly departing from the temple at Jerusalem in Ezekiel chapters 8 through 11. Then he will come to the visions of judgment, followed by restoration, with the glory of God arriving from the Mount of Olives and filling the temple, 
in Ezekiel chapters 12 through chapter 43, verse 5. It could be that when the Babylonians attacked Jerusalem in 597 B.C., Ezekiel was 25 years old. If that is the case, he would be preparing to serve as a priest in the magnificent temple built by King Solomon. Priests were not permitted to serve until they were 30 years old. Imagine how the prospects of his life work changed when he was suddenly made a slave of Nebuchadnezzar and transported to Babylon with 10,000 other captives. 2 Kings chapter 24, verses 10-14 through 14 read, At that time the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, went up to Jerusalem, and the city came under siege. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to the city while the servants were besieging it. Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his captains and his officials. So the king of Babylon took him captive in the eighth year of his reign. He carried out from there all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house, and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord, just as the Lord had said. Then he led away into exile all Jerusalem and all the captains and all the mighty men of valor, ten thousand captives, and all the craftsmen and the smiths. None remained except the poorest people of the land. At the time of Ezekiel receiving his calling, Jeremiah is still in Judah preaching to the poor folks that remained behind, and Daniel is serving in Nebuchadnezzar's court. God is merciful in that He is still speaking to His people and through His people as they are spread out during this difficult time. Ezekiel's calling begins with the visions of God in Ezekiel chapter 1 verse 1. By the river Chebar in Babylon, Ezekiel has a vision of God's glory. A cloud surrounded by brightness is swept into his sight by a stormy wind from the north. In the midst of this glowing cloud, Ezekiel sees four living beings each with human form, each moving together with the other in rhythmic unity, each one having four faces. Each had the face of a man looking outward to the front, the face of a lion looking outward on the right, and an ox on the left. Each also had the face of an eagle. Like other manifestations of the cherubim in the Old Testament, each of them had wings and the hands of a man. Their wings touched one another, their legs were straight, and their feet looked like the hooves of calves, though gleaming like burnished bronze. Ezekiel notices that the faces of the living creatures did not turn when they moved, and when they moved, they moved only to follow the Spirit, never turning their bodies as they went. When they stopped moving, they folded their wings inward. In the midst of the living beings, Ezekiel noticed something that looked like burning coals and what resembled torches of fire passing like lightning flashes between the living beings, and the living beings ran to and fro with lightning speed. Beside each living being are wheels that touch the earth, and there appeared to be one wheel within the other. Somehow these appear to represent the workings of God, a vehicle for the manifestation of God's glory. The rims of the wheels were full of eyes. The spirit of the living beings was in the wheels, and the wheels moved directly in tandem with the living beings. 
spread out over the heads of the living beings, was an expanse like the awesome gleam of crystal, and beneath the expanse were the outstretched wings of the living creatures. The upper wings of the creatures stretched out straight, touching the wings of the others, and with their side wings each creature covered their body. The wings made a sound like Niagara Falls, mighty waters, like the voice of the Almighty, or like the sound of a tumultuous army, whenever they were moving in flight. When the living beings stopped moving, they folded their wings into their sides and were silent, submitting to a voice that came from above the expanse over their heads. Above the expanse that Ezekiel described as having the awesome gleam of crystal, he sees something resembling a throne, and upon that throne is seated a figure with the appearance of a man. Is this the creation of a Steven Spielberg-like imagination for science fiction? No. Ezekiel is describing the best that he can, with the human language available to him, what he is seeing, much like the Apostle John when he has his visions on the island of Patmos. The Apostle Paul said that when he was caught up to the third heaven, he heard inexpressible words of which men are not permitted to speak. We can only imagine what he saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. What was Ezekiel seeing? He tells us in verse 28b, Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. Ezekiel is describing as accurately as possible the heavenly vision that accompanied his commissioning as prophet. The vision is unforgettable. It is God-given and therefore significant and profitable for us, even if we may not understand it all at the present moment. God is in control. This all-seeing chariot within a storm cloud, operated by a spirit-driven team of multifaceted living beings, seemed to be upholding and submitting to the throne above them and the one who sat on it. The spiritual beings who were part angel, part human, part animal, could be seen as fitting representatives of the whole created order. Their activity affirmed the relationship that God has designed to have with His creation. He works all things according to the counsel of His will. The four wheels rendered possible the movement of God's manifestation of glory on the earth, and the upper wings rendered possible the upward movement. The language conveys that above all that takes place on the earth, there are operations invisible to the natural eye. Above the creation, there is the Creator, sitting on the throne, bearing the appearance of a man. He is the controller of the universe, and He is coming in righteous judgment among His chosen people and the nations. Yet this judgment is tempered by mercy, in that there is the symbol of God's covenant promise in the rainbow that is in the cloud. As the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 28a. In chapter 2, we hear the words by which Ezekiel is commissioned. As is customary, a vision of the glory of God knocks one off their feet, or at least demands that one takes off their shoes. Ezekiel fell on his face. The Lord calls Ezekiel, to stand up so he can speak to him. What we read next is very instructive. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. 
Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Doesn't that describe well the Spirit's enabling power that comes through God's Word? May the all-sufficient Word fill us with the Spirit and enable us to stand, to hear, and to obey the revealed will of God. Ezekiel's commission, like that of the other prophets, would not be easy. He would need to guard his heart so that he would not be complicit with the rebellion that raged in the hearts of his compatriots. Ezekiel is given prophetic parables to act out. He is given a scroll to eat. He is to devour it and then speak to the house of Israel. He is forewarned. In Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 7-9, through 9, we read, Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, since they are not willing to listen to me. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made your forehead. Do not be afraid of them, or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house. Ezekiel experiences the power of the vision that he saw lifting him up, speaking of God's intention. May the glory of the Lord be praised in his dwelling place. Chapter 3, verse 12. The Holy Spirit fortifies him for the hard ministry that lies ahead. Now let's go to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 1 through 19. Jesus greater than Moses. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of the house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house, if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, they have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament passage from the book of Hebrews. The writer of Hebrews sets forth once again the supremacy of Jesus. 
He is the better apostle, the sent one, and the better priest. He calls us his brothers and partners in the heavenly calling. Moses was a partner in God's heavenly calling, but only in that he was a type of what was to come, only as he gave the menu of which Christ would be the meal. The builder of the house has greater honor than the house itself. Moses had a place in the building plan, and so do we, if we hold fast to our courage and the hope of which we boast. In other words, if we regress under the pressure of persecution to go back to the old religion of shadows instead of boldly identifying with Christ, we have not understood the gospel. We have not understood that Jesus is the builder. The writer makes it clear that just as there were those in Israel's history who shrunk back in unbelief and never entered the promised land, so it is possible that some of them could fall short of entering into the salvation that God had promised. Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. What is the antidote to unbelief? Belief in the gospel. The writer asks that they encourage each other with the truth of the gospel in chapter 3, verse 13. Now let's go to the Bible's songbook, the book of Psalms, Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his chambers on the waters. He makes the clouds his chariot. He rides on the wings of the wind. He makes his messengers winds, his ministers a flaming fire. He set the earth on its foundations so that it should never be moved. You covered it with the deep as with a garment. The waters stood above the mountains. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to flight. The mountains rose, the valleys sank down to the place that you appointed for them. You set a boundary that they may not pass, so that they might not again cover the earth. You make springs gush forth in the valleys, they flow between the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field, the wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them the birds of the heavens dwell, they sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. The trees of the Lord are watered abundantly, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. In them the birds build their nests. The stork has her home in the fir trees. The high mountains are for the wild goats. The rocks are a refuge for the rock badgers. He made the moon to mark the seasons. The sun know its time for setting. You make darkness and it is night, when all the beasts of the forest creep about. The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. When the sun rises, they steal away and lie down in their dens. Man goes out to his work and to his labor until the evening. This concludes today's portion from the book of Psalms. Once again, as we saw yesterday reading Psalm 103, the psalmist is encouraging himself in the Lord. He is speaking to himself with a psalm, a hymn, and a spiritual song. Bless the Lord, O my soul. 
The psalmist reminds his soul of the Lord's greatness. First, he considers who God is, majestic, full of splendor, wrapped in light. We see him as creator of the heavens and the earth. In verse 3, you will notice that Psalm 104, verse 4, is quoted in what we read yesterday in the book of Hebrews concerning the angels, described as winds and flaming fire. The angels are in the service of our great God and King. He makes the winds his messengers, flaming fire his ministers. Psalm 104, verse 4, and Hebrews chapter 1, verse 7. He forms the earth and has the waters flow over the mountains into the places that he assigned for them. In verse 8, he is behind all geology and geography. Not only is he Lord over the seas, oceanography, but he is also the Lord who provides food and drink to all creation, the Lord of every ecosystem. He is the God of ecology. He orders the position of the earth as it rotates on its axis, giving us day and night. He knows what we need for our work and for our rest. Mankind can manipulate his daylight savings times, but God has authored our soul and body saving time. It is far better that we adjust to his reality than anything else. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 24 through 26. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. These Proverbs remind us to beware duplicity and fake smiles. Now let's go before the Lord in the light of what we have just read from His Word. Lord, we are grateful for a more sure word of prophecy, that we can perceive Your glory and receive the grace and knowledge of who You are through Your Son, the Living Word. We ask, Lord, that You would continue to speak to us through Your Word, convicting us, challenging us, correcting us, and strengthening us. We want to cooperate with your Holy Spirit's energizing power and bring glory to your name. Help us to hold fast to the courage and the hope of which we boast. In Jesus' name, amen. We have ingested a lot today and we have much to digest throughout the day as we continue to meditate upon his word. If you have any questions or comments, you can always write to us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's reading, you can subscribe to a daily email at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the Word of God continue to dwell richly in you. May you be filled with the Spirit. May you be blessing the Lord. May you be speaking to your soul to awaken to all that is provided to you of a full salvation in Christ Jesus. Shalom.